Hi, everyone. Welcome to Creativity and Non-Duality. I'm your host, Samuel Dunlap, and today I talked with Ryan Olke. As well as being a former teacher of mine, Ryan is the co-founder of Buddhist Geeks and the founder of Awakening in Life, community organizations dedicated to bringing Dharma wisdom to communities around the globe. I hope you enjoy our conversation, and if this content interests you, please leave a review or a comment. Good to see you, Ryan. Good to see you, Samuel. Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad to uh, have this conversation. We've been uh, talking about this for a long time. So um, yeah. this, is my, this is my first podcast, and I'm feeling a little bit nervous about it, but I'm excited yeah. to get going. Yeah, likewise. So we just got done working together, um, and one of the reasons I've been so interested in working with you is I've sort of been um, in this longer uh, journey in attempting to integrate my inner development and my my healing and awakening and creative mm -hmm. calling over the past few months we've sort of talked about that and how that sort of interfaces with the outer world mm -hmm. um, and so i'm sort of and i know that you've got a lot of really interesting creative projects and, and businesses that you've run and so i was wondering if you could kind of give me a ten thousand foot view of your <laughs> journey and sort of the technologies that have been uh most supportive um for your growth as a as a creative person and as an artist and yeah sure okay well starting a little bit with the current just give people an orientation uh currently uh part of my time i spend teaching as a dharma teacher meditation teacher primarily through buddhist geeks um which i co-founded uh with my friend vince Vicori horn and um with Awakening Life, I do some things that it's a nonprofit, so they're both nonprofits, but it's all kind of the same feel for me as a teacher. Um, and then I'm also the director now of Buddhist Geeks, which is, you know, on the organizational side, the involves a lot more than just teaching, you know, it's the whole nonprofit, the community. Um, yeah, so I'm getting oriented to that as we speak in the recent months. I also do a show with... Um, Corey DeVos over at Integral Life that we've done for a few years now called Inhabit. And I'd say that's also part of my work. Um, we have different kind of scheduling with that. We, we missed the last few months. And I've also done a few online courses over there, working on a new one. Um, so currently, yeah, that takes up most of my time. I do periodically offer coaching, which I then will frame as a little different. It, you got to differentiate these things a little bit. Um, it, it doesn't mean to exclude anything from Dharma meditation, but the feel and focus is different. So if we're working explicitly on Dharma, we're not focused on, for example, results in the world through business. But if we're focused on coaching, we'll use whatever makes sense from meditation and Dharma to support um, the, the action in the world, the embodiment in the world. So that's where I'm at currently in a nutshell. So again, mentioning these, like not to just give a resume, but to say like, what's it feel like to show up in these different environments, especially when you value and are interested in multiple arenas, we can talk about that, like in terms of business, but like at, just at the core, it's like, wait a minute, if I'm an integrally oriented person, and if we say creativity, non-duality, there's already some sort of blending together. Like I value the mind and psychology and emotions and relationship and awakening and art and but results too, it's like, well, how does all this fit in? So I just happened like finding my way through all of this was just like, I don't really know what I did. I mean, I graduated from master's degree in my counseling psychology and I spent two months doing, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was like, literally like, I don't, I don't want to be a therapist and I don't want to do res life. And then just spontaneously got a job in Boulder doing res life. And I'm like, it gets me to Boulder. So it wasn't like I was consciously thinking out, well, this is what my plan is going to be. And this is how I'm going to learn these different technologies and, and skill sets. Uh, finding the realization process was helpful. That also kind of fueled being a teacher because Judith Blackstone has a great option for being teachers there and becoming a Buddhist geeks teacher, et cetera, et cetera. So anyways, I know that's slightly long, but also it, it's relevant to the conversation because it's like, it's both weird and in sprawling but at the same time it, it all integrates into who i am today and what i can offer to people in coaching uh especially because I've, i pull on when we talk about creativity i'll pull on my artistic side as a you know musician or writer or you know my inner comedian and things like that but then that that's all about just the art right and then also saying well 
power up pulls on my creativity in terms of business, which is like tied to results. Like how, and then how do you integrate all of that? How do you okay. be an artist and make money? How do you be a mindful, you know, deep person, but yeah, make shit happen. Somehow those things felt, even if not at the time, like somehow they were all uh, integrated in some way. Um, and even, even if, you know, your, your work, uh, at Buddhist geeks didn't completely translate to your work at power up. I imagine there was a lot of overlap, not just in the logistics, Definitely. somehow also in like the psychic manifestation of sort of your consciousness. And yeah. I was always trying to find minimally like links between everything I was doing. I never did something where. I mean, res life was kind of like when I finally exited residence, residential life in universities, that didn't, I learned a ton, like that shaped me. Like I learned a lot of leadership stuff, uh, uh, my leadership foundation was from that experience, but like past that, it wasn't like, oh, this really relates to everything else I'm really interested in, but past that everything. Yeah. There are, there are connections, linking points with all of them of like that kept it going. But at the same time, it was also like not fully conscious. It's not like there wasn't a plan. So that's what I also share with people, especially the younger you are, you know, it's like, it's not, it's not like, oh yes, this is the next step very much in this journey. And then this will be the next logical, meaningful step. It was kind of like, oh, I don't know. Okay. I'll go here. All right. This makes sense here. And it only got the feeling got more streamlined over the years, you know, but that's even still emerging. This things change so much in the world. It's not just my own path, you know, but it's like, what the hell is happening in life? Um, <laughs> yeah. Do you feel like, um, so like one of the things that I recognize in myself is like, when I've got a lot of creative energy, it very much is pulling me in multiple directions at the same time. Mm -hmm. And if we start to kind of get yes. into the non-duality piece of it, it's like, okay, there, you know, if you're sitting in, in meditation, it's like this expansiveness that's where there's space for everything yes and, right <laughs> and so then like but then there always for me there's like this like when that expansiveness hits up against the boundaries of, yeah. of the manifest world it's like we've got to make choices and so i'm i'm curious a little bit to like think about like how um yeah i don't know your spiritual life has been really important for making those discernments in your creative life this is a good, these are good questions. Um, well, I mean, I still keep pointing back to like how a lot of this is just messier than what we'd like. And I mean, you're talking about like the expansiveness and then meeting up, you know, I would say it's like the reality of being embodied human beings that, you know, anything you have the kind of space of mind and feeling the creative potential of mind and, and, and humans and reality to like everything is here and that's amazing so we can feel that but then when it comes down to like living it's like no there are limitations and that's part of what makes it magical to like create something because it takes time we have to be you know we go through a crunching process and birthing process and things like that to like bring things to the world which means choosing some things and not choosing others um but um you know it's funny it's like for me i, I found i came to buddhism in an undergrad so when I was like, I was an undergrad a few extra years with music school and extra degrees, but I was like 20, 20 years old, maybe 21. And so I spent time setting up my altar in this middle of nowhere, Midwest uh, college where nobody was practicing anything relevant related to meditation. And, and I'm spending my time trying to meditate and in, in, in my dorm room and and like, that's what I want to want to do on my breaks, you know, and on, on a weekend or something like that. It's like, oh, this is really fascinating. I'm just going to do it. So everything around me wasn't supportive of that in a certain way. And I was very much a weird person for doing it, but I was just like, I don't know, this is what I want to do. So partly for me, I think there's different personality types as well. I'm an Enneagram four when it comes down to it, but I know for somebody who's an Enneagram seven, there's a kind of a different personality type, right? Of going for different things. But even though I've done a lot of different things, I tend to want to go deep in one or a few things at a, any given time, but that's just more personality. 
Like I might say like, oh, this is how you should go about it. I'm also super impressed with people who are like, who went out of college or right into college and saying, I'm going to do this thing. They, they do the degree, they do the master's degree and they're like super happy, you know? And I'm like, that's amazing that you, <laughs> you just knew and you did it all. Um, so yes. So on my foundation, I had this path of awakening that most definitely influenced me. Right. And it's kind of like looking to the essence of experience that's beyond any particular thing we choose to do. So perhaps, yeah, that gives me some fluidity or gave me some fluidity for better and for worse and yeah. trying to, because <laughs> that opens things up and also can stir things up, make, make things more confusing. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're just like, Hey, there's not, there's not all possibilities. There's just a few. Well, and then you're going to choose and focus. I'd say just in so many ways, like, to be honest, and this is what I want to like tell people, especially again, I think it applies any, any time in life, but especially younger you are that like, there's going to be idealism. This is very characteristic of somebody who's younger, the younger you are, the, the you're learning so much about life. You know, the, a little kid will like never see something before that you've seen a thousand times. And they're like, Whoa, what the heck is this? It's amazing. And so, you know, when you're in your twenties and, and like things, a lot of things are possible and, and you haven't been <laughs> necessarily worn down. <laughs> by life uh which also there comes you know wisdom with it sometimes um but i i try not to interfere with that in a certain way in recommending to people i'm like don't try to act like you know you're 50 or 60 like be your age like let yourself be a little idealistic so one of my things i forgot to mention there was a startup in there for like a year we called it falling fruit and we were trying to do a podcast network again, before the iPhone was released in the middle of this, mm -hmm. and we were creating a podcast network, which at the time we thought maybe things had already passed with the podcasting thing and we missed it. And which turns out to be the opposite. We were way ahead of the podcasting game, but that thing we lost, I mean, there was a few kids with some Trustafarian kind of money and we, and family money. And we blew through, I mean, we smoked through it, just like lighting it on fire and I seriously, we produced like $500 of revenue. <laughs> <laughs> it was, I mean, we, we created some cool shows that are still around actually. So the new man podcast, we, we, uh, helped uh, triple Near create that inside of our network at that time. Cool. Um, but that's an example of idealism and also utter failure. And we learned a lot during that time too. So when you look at a journey, it's like, I'm telling you all these things and it's like, well, here I am today, but it's just like, no, trust me, there was plenty of just like, I don't know, but this is what seems like is cool and what I'll do next. And some of them are good ideas and some of them bad ideas, but it's all part of the learning process. So I look back at it, Vince, he was part of that. We look back at fondly and we laugh at ourselves a lot. Remember when we did this at Falling Fruit or this or this, it's like, oh my God, what a bunch of idiots we were, but also we, we do it in a loving way. So to like, to think that you're going to get around that whole process. No, like you can try to go about it as best you can. That means like having mentors, having peers, you know, trying to learn what you can learn from other people who've been there. And then you're still going to have to find it out on your own. Yeah. You know, the other thing is, is like, I can feel my energy being different. I think uh, younger folks are going to see certain things that I'm not going to see because of where I'm at now. <laughs> so anyways, I don't know if that got out of your question yeah. a little bit, but lots that's of, what comes up. Really, like lots of like playful experimentation is like a really necessary part of the process. That was for me. So like my personality, but also being interested in integral and like valuing that. I'd say like today, I I feel like I embody that in actuality more than I did then. More back then it was still conceptual, but still this idea of like there's four quadrants. There's an inner and an outer, like you're mentioning. and that's automatically saying that it's all valuable, right? So if you think like interiors of the individual are valuable, the exteriors, the body, biology, this is valuable, culture is valuable, systems are valuable. Well, then there's even more possibilities, right? If you're more not kind of focused on even having that kind of quadrant map, you might just say like, no, nah, all that matters is the upper left quadrant, interiors, and that's it. And then things get simpler in a certain way, but limited another way. And can you tell me a little bit about um, your embodied success course? Um, like that, that's one of the things, like when I think about integral, where all of these quadrants are valued, these inner and outer individual and collective, mm -hmm. it's like, there's something about within the business world specifically, where it's like, okay, even though like 
business value can kind of be measured by cash flows. It's mm -hmm. like, we can also like look at, especially for like smaller organizations and solopreneurs business as an expression of our creative energy. Mm -hmm. So yeah. When I think when I think of embodied success, it seems like one of the principles to this course is being able to align a successful business through this, you know, very specific and unique creative yeah. life to it. Yeah, as I mean, I think you did a good job of describing it just there. Um so it's interesting, all of that emerged out of my experience at Power Productions. And again, we uh working with um yeah. A lot of individual solopreneurs, sometimes very small businesses, um, you know, maybe two people, three people. We had occasional folks, like our odd people were like the regular people for the rest of the world. So like we had somebody who did some manufacturing on a particular thing that goes in phones. But usually we had people like you, like me. Um, and so that's very particular. So like what I share in about success is relevant most to this particular demographic, people who really value um spiritual practice let's just use that word in very broadly um probably a, a more or less an integral orientation whether it's conscious or unconscious but valuing more than than the idea of bottom dollar business uh profit kind of orientation and being solopreneurs because that's a very different field than say like somebody who wants to take on a business that is trying to generate $5 million a year or having hundred employees or trying to enter into a market sec, you know, sector. That's huge. This is a whole different thing. Very much of more of a private journey. <laughs> so, but the thing was, is like still, even in that space, it's so hilarious, even in that space with all the conscious talk that there, there uh, was, and probably still is a lot of it was just capitalism dressed up in some like conscious clothing some prana pants. Genuinely, there's like a lot of sincere conscious values. I'm using these very broad words, but you know, like integrating spirituality, things like that into business. But um, a lot of it was just like figuring out how to win at capitalism, but like with a different feel around it, mm -hmm. you know? And um, so very formulaic where it was like, you can make XYZ money. You can have an email list of 50,000 people. And after a while with all that, I never wanted to do that. I never, cause I thought it was bullshit. It's like, you can do that if that's your main goal. Like if your main goal is only to achieve those things, then you will adjust yourself accordingly until you align with some configuration that the market or markets will say you win ding, ding, ding. And I'm not shitting on that at all. I'm just saying like, if that's what you want to do, I'd be like, go make, go make a million dollars, you know, but like, that's the goal. But if your goal is to stay true to your integrity and to your values, it may or may not line up with the current environment, the current demographics, the reality. It's not just you, you know, you can't just like control reality and control a market. You're going to change yourself to fit something if that's what you what matters most. So I never bought that. Um, and I, so I never wanted to do it. I never wanted to do that. I never had to focus on that. So I never... I would help people best I could with practical things that I was familiar with around business that you just have to be able to manage. But I never figured out like a program. So eventually I just decided to embrace that as, okay, if I'm not going to care about how my program looks, I'm not going to go like, you will have 50,000 people. I'm going to, I'm not going to use any of that terminology. I'll say the word success in quotes. Well, what if I did that and was just really honest and then I'll see if that resonates with anybody. So I'm like, here's what I know. Here's what I value. Here's what's important to me. And then put it together. And I was like, okay, embodied success. And even me choosing the word success was all, honestly only out of like a, I guess I have to say this. Sure. So I'll say it because otherwise you're not going to look at it. But it, you know, in, in that course, I like have two things, the inner and the outer. So the outer is like, yeah, here's like the nuts and bolts that you need. If you're, if it's success and financially is going to happen, this is, these are minimal things you need to take care of. None of this is going to guarantee you that you're going to hit that. This isn't shark tank. You know what I mean? Like, actually I also recommend the, the show, the profit P R O F I T with Marcus. Uh, what is his last name? I can't remember. Um, that is a fantastic show to watch about just pure business, old school business. He, he takes and transforms businesses and uh, you get to learn a lot from it. So like, if that's what you want, 
uh, from somebody who's like traditionally successful. That's a good one. But I just want to include that. So like, here it is, we're going to honor that, but let's really talk about all the inner stuff and how that relates. So like, um, what's arising for you creative, uh, creatively that has nothing that is um, unfiltered that's arising. Like I, I value this and I'm interested in this. And what about this? How do I let that emerge? How do I become a vessel for creativity in the sense of like clearing out as much as I can so that I'm opened up to what's arising? There's always going to be limitations there, but it's like, if I can do that more, I can see more possibilities. I can value that. I can say, yes, I like this. And we keep moving from that up to the point of testing things out of saying like, okay, out of all the things that have arisen, I can appreciate it. It doesn't, I don't have to uh, diminish anything that's coming up creatively for me. But now I can say, is there a possibility to bring uh, that into the world and get support through that financially, maybe even make a lot of money? Maybe. Sometimes those things all line up. But if you don't separate those two and then integrate them, then one gets sacrificed for another. And in our environment, it's always going to be the inner. And then if you're a person who truly is like, I'm a meditation practitioner, I do therapy, or I value that, that's going to get compartmentalized. It's going to be over here in one space of your life, and then doing work and business is going to be in another part of your life. And it'll always feel like this gnawing in the middle center of your experience. It doesn't take away the tensions because there's going to be tensions with bringing work in the world and there'll be frustration. But at least you know that like, hey, this is not because I'm just unconsciously shutting down what's important to me. So this is kind of where that all arose out of. Yeah, well, I can certainly like relate to this feeling of like oh here's like my precious like inner creative world Mm -hmm. like if i were to try to monetize that like that would feel really icky to me like i think that a lot of us could relate to that Mm -hmm. and similarly like oh like i want to keep my work sort of separate from my you know personal life or creative life yeah, totally. There's all kinds of things we do. It can take any kind of form of how we feel about the separation, especially unconscious, that we're going to put some labels on it. So it might be like, like what can happen too with this is that like, well, then we get actually less precious about what's happening arising internally, but it doesn't mean less meaningful because then we can bring that and say, well, you know, well, let's see if this works or not. But if it doesn't work, it doesn't mean it's less meaningful, but we can do all kinds of things. We can either diminish it and be like, oh, this is less important than the uh, making that profit, right? That's what's more important or vice versa. Where people will say profit is stupid and money is dumb. It's like, okay, good luck with that in the current. <laughs> but instead it brings us into the integration, but also brings us into the creative tensions. So when we talk about creativity and non-duality, this is where you're going to feel that tension in a good way. I mean, it's sometimes going to feel not feel good and other times it will feel interesting. <laughs> sure. Sure. And I mean, uh, I think that definitely like our work together and sort of talking about these things, like when I remember in maybe our fourth meeting or something like that, you invited me to like, just come up with some sort of uh, initial offering or initial project that was Mm -hmm. something, but not something that I was trying to like sell, but something that I would just do anyway for the fun of it. Yes. And like, and then like maybe like share it with people and if they like it, then great. And if not, that's yeah. okay too, because yeah. it, at least it's like the risk there is like, oh, you know, the downside is like, oh, I just did something that I really liked. and Exactly. And so this is like, like we can, we can go span the spectrum of what we're calling inner and outer here, like go all the way to inner radical subjectivity, all the way to outer of like, it's nothing but sweat and, and grunt and grind things out. But here you go from like, what's arising internally. And we can say intersubjectively as well. Okay. We've been kind of focused individually here, but it's like, it's rising in the space here. Oh, that's really neat. Okay. Now let's take that journey. The, the, the journey that can be a little nervous, but exciting. It doesn't matter about money. Like, okay, if this is really important, how could I offer this and find out if other people find it meaningful? And we might find that it, it resonates with some people that it actually is meaningful to other folks. Maybe it makes money or maybe it doesn't, but like you see if how, quickly yeah. we can uh, sandwich all of that and miss out on it. We, if yeah. we say we go right to money, people hardly don't even try anything. They don't even experiment with it. They'll just say, oh, no, that won't make money. So I won't even try it. It's like, oh, miss out on the experimentation. Totally. And I think that my, sh- that, that like my shadow with that, and it's probably a shared thing for a lot of people, but it's like, 
oh, like I'm afraid of bringing my creative thing into sort of the, the outer world because then it's subject to be judged and valued. Oh, and, there you go. And then it's like, then I, then I conflate that with my own personal value or whatever. But this, right. So this brings us into doing some necessary work, the embodied bit, right? So it's like, okay, how can I process that? How can I digest what's coming up? Because we can go one of two ways, just blast past that and grind, you know, try to bang out some business. Or we go the other way of like, no, I'm just going to spiritually bypass that experience and just like, whatever, like scoff at the world and say, oh, I'm better than this. Or I'm just going to rest as, you know, non-dual presence and not do anything. But here it's kind of like, okay, let me wrestle with this a little bit. And that's usually why we have to do cleaning up is yeah. to work with that. But I think that's like applies to everybody, this tension, anybody who's doing waking up along with everything else and all the other ups, we're going to come up with that. And it's not something that's going to go away. You know, we get better at it, but yeah, you you painted the, the exact kind of picture <laughs> of what it's like to wrestle with those things. Okay. I'm going to, uh, what are some of the other shadows that you've come across in your, in your work with clients specifically around they're working in their business. I mean, for sure, there's going to be a lot of individuality with this in the sense of um, we all have unique life experiences, particularly from childhood that can shape us um, where like if we're using trauma as a word that's really broad to, to mean like habitual ways that we constrict and, you know, cause problems for ourselves. Yeah. Well, there's not going to be any kind of uh, overt, like common thing, you know, like everybody experiences this kind of thing. Um, so I always try to pay attention to that, not to mention like life phase differences. So, um, or life situations. So somebody who's uh single and maybe has a pretty decent uh, paycheck versus somebody who has a kid, uh, a, a little, you know, toddler, um, somebody who's, 60 years old, you know, there's going to be lots of differences in all of that. Um, so I think for me, if, if it's going to be really broad with this, it's going to be just one of two directions. It's going to be either people are going to want to lean more towards the spiritual bypassing side, or they're going to lean more to the, what I started off this conversation with about kind of like dressed up conscious stuff where like, it's not really owned um that uh i guess what do you call it? business bypassing <laughs> you know like um where but you know what's funny is like usually those people i mean as far as who i've worked with or who i hang around those people are usually pretty good with like how things are going like if they have actually been successful they're going to keep going that direction and not really sh shake the foundation which i totally understand you know shaking the foundation might feel like shaking one's security, things like that. So usually people I work with are going to be a little bit more on the other side. Uh, maybe not as bold with experimentation, um, not slowing down to create a transition between what is really meaningful internally and, and the, uh, you know, meditation, awakening experiences um, and what's being offered. So usually there's a little bit of hesitation happening there. Um, that people are trying to work with. And I'll tell you, like, it's, it, it is hard. You know what I mean? Like you see the last few years, who's all those formulas that exist out there, even the conscious ones, you know, it's like, well, what the hell, the hell useful was that when the pandemic hit and everything shut down, entire economy shut down, shipping supplies were backed up. There's no way you can tell me that anybody had anything prepared for that. There's very few companies in the world that were prepared for it. So you're either lucky, like at Buddhist Geeks, we were kind of lucky in a certain sense that we were already teaching online and, and know how to do trainings. And so we were really busy that year with teaching trainings. Um, some, some physical manufacturers had a smart supply chain process already set up, but most people, it's like, no way. Um, so anyways, I just want to say that like, it's very real that we don't know, but we, we're going to have to try. Otherwise nothing we we're always sitting kind of back in fear and wondering, and what if this, or what if that, and could I bring this in the world or not? And we just don't know. 
um, if we don't try, but when we try, we're going to have to just go through it. We're going to have to experiment, find out what works, what doesn't work and be able to like roll with that. So for me, almost it's like treat that inner as like with reverence, you know, of like appreciation, willing to let it go because whatever feels really deeply meaningful now, five years from now might feel small <laughs> and limited. Um, but, uh, on the other side, treat it much more lightly, like just roll with it. Like as soon as I can find out that something doesn't work, that's awesome. It's like, oh, I got metrics and real feedback that what I thought was going to work in this particular form doesn't work. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. That's awesome. Well, what if I try something totally different? So like being able to rapidly and agilely move is, is super useful, but you got to try it. You got to experiment. And, um, you know, some of the flexibility and fluidity that we can develop uh, and cultivate inside of meditation practice can be applied over there. Yeah. But it takes some maturity and effort to realize that these things are not separate, you know, sure. it's like sort of, we, like we leave the meditation cushion and then it's like all of that realization that we have is like put behind us and we enter into habitual patterns in the world when we're doing. So my biggest recommendations always is like, Try to be as clear as you can with yourself, however it is right now, knowing it's going to be imperfect and then try some things Sure. and try to do it in manageable ways, digestible ways that you can process and learn from and know that it could work out well, could not work out well, but it's going to move you forward. One of the things I've experienced specifically when focusing on like work projects, like projects that have some sort of relationship to the outer world. There's, there's, there's like a, a working mode of executing mm -hmm. and like controlling almost in mm -hmm. some ways or yep. manipulating in this very like yep. structural way. Um, yep. And that feels like a really different mode than like creative aliveness and openness and flexibility to new ideas. Yeah. And, right. and I'm curious sort of like, you know, if someone's starting a new project, it seems like that there ought to be some sort of balance between those things, those sort of like working modes, we're, we're sort of starting to get like from the big picture of creative directions and projects and sort of life journey to like, as we start implementing our creative projects, how do we make intentional decisions about the coherence between our inner working states and, mm -hmm. and sort of the thing that we're trying to accomplish? Yeah, yeah, this is great. Yeah, this is at the heart of it as well, I'd say. Um, first, I used to say that there's no exact right um, proportion of all of those things that you listed. So if I could list off, it's funny, often we'll use this in terms of uh, applying criticism to pluralism as a way to move it forward. It would be to say that differentiate between values, strategy, and results. But I would also throw in here in our conversation, values, uh, strategy, execution, and results if if minimally if if we can recognize if we can use different words but if we can recognize these four things as being distinct that's already a big start because of what happens is a lot of times these get collapsed in together and one takes precedent there's all kinds of internal frustration uh that can happen one's more dominant than the other but if there's just breathing room like okay then the next thing is i would say that i go back to inquiry and the simplest one I use is what is needed. So to not assume, like, so the assume is like, okay, what's the right proportion of all these things at any given time? The easiest thing to just sit here and say, okay, what's needed? And then we can identify like those four things I just said, and maybe one of those arises like, oh, it's much more about strategy. We need a new strategy here. Mm -hmm. um, strategy is not clear or we need execution. So I'll give you an example, me hopping into the director role of Buddhist Geeks like coming into it, it's like, what has been needed is orientation. Like I need information. I need to like make sure I understand what's currently happening. I'm not in strategy mode per se. That doesn't mean that things don't arise spontaneously. So here's the whole thing of like allowing mind to be open. Things can arise. I'm like, oh, what about that thing? What about this thing? Well, for me, I always have a way to capture it. I just, I have a document or something. I just write it down or I write, I'm like, well, I had this idea and I just leave it. I don't, I can go back to it later. I'm not acting on it. So I don't have to shut things down because it's impossible. Things are going to come up in my mind, but really it's like, okay, I got to get familiar with this. I got to redo the budget. I got to get the budget really sharp. And some other things come up. That was a really difficult situation that we had to manage. 
So strategy, big picture thinking, you know, actually there turned out to be one thing at the Buddhist Geeks teacher retreat. I got to sit with all the other Buddhist Geeks teachers that are coming online, big group of us and ask them in a big open way. What, what do you see? What would be really cool to do? Here's some ideas we had. There was a shorter focus session. Anyways, coming back to what is needed. Well, now things are starting to shift. Dust is starting to settle. And it's like, we're thinking about fundraising. Okay. Fundraising is what's needed. Okay. What would be some creative ways to do that, et cetera. So I'm always asking this question, what is needed, which may or may not be the thing I want or you want. Maybe it is, but if I can get clear on that, then I can just be like, all right, this is what's needed. At least don't have to struggle with that question so much unconsciously. Um, yeah, but one, but I think it's important to distinguish those things because they, they're different you, spaces. Yeah, yeah. Could you really quickly just, uh, sort of differentiate. So you said values, strategy, well, I use strategy, execution and results. So these are just some words, and this is more like business oriented. Sure. So like, if I was talking about, um, like art, I would talk about this a little differently. Sure. It would still come up at some point, but I mean, just like a pure art, like I don't care about making money, but I want to tap into that creativity. It's going to be a little bit different of a process. Um, so values on the side, that would be, I would say everything creatively, everything that's manif that's coming up manifestly in, in our experience, individually, collectively, that's just meaningful. It's not about strategizing anything. It's just like, this is what's important right now. This is what's arising this is what's needed. This is what's exciting, whatever, you know, it's just like, it's just coming up. Strategy is, it's really interesting because strategy usually ties to results. Like we have an idea about something that could be right. So we say, well, what should we, what are we going to do about it? What would be some different ways we can go about enacting these values, embodying these values could be experimentation, right? We'd say like, what about experimenting in this way and this way? And we'll try that. Well, what about this other option? What about this other option? And then we decide, we say, well, let's go with this one. That's the strategy. Then it's like, okay, you're getting into more micro and more nuts and bolts ground level. Okay. Well, what are the very specific ways to execute that? So this is making decisions about, I mean, if it's online, it's like, do we use Zoom? for this thing, or do we use Zencaster or do we use something else? These are execution. And then there's also capacities, like what's my capacity to execute X, Y, Z. Like if you need design work and you need technology work and you need leadership stuff, it's like, do you have those capacities or not? Do you need to develop them? And the results are like, it's funny. We have ideas about the results, but in the end, over time, what I've found is that like the results <laughs> are only like the thing that kind of initially inspire us as an idea. And those things change radically. They're, they're a lag measure, which means yeah. that like. Go it, into it, that a little bit. I thought that that metaphors were super. Yeah. Good. This is really common in business speak lead and lag measures, but I think it's really important. Lag measures are basically things that were important, like revenue. So when I look at a like budget for Buddhist geeks, we can see like, Hey, what is our, what do we need operationally to function? What do we need to thrive? And we can track that, right? We can track every month through Kindful, which is where we receive donations from. We can see it by campaign and things like that. But by the time that we're looking at money, that's done. Like we can't do anything about that <laughs> from the past. Sure. It is what it is. We can then try to do different strategies, execution, and hope that it changes that money metric. But people are usually tracking that trying to inform them like, okay, I need to be informed if my strategy is working or, or uh, my execution is good. So I'm waiting for this final measurement. Usually money might be like signups, things like that, but we need other measures, lead measures, things that we can measure in real time. So it's like anything I have control over or we have control over, we can measure. So you're starting a podcast. One thing you can control is like how many people you contact. You can't control how many people will respond, right. but you can say, well, I'll contact three people every week if you wanted to. <laughs> That'd be a lot, actually. <laughs> but, you know, you're likely to see your lag measure of people saying yes to increase. <laughs> yeah. So anyways, the, to me, that right there is 
if I had to pick out one thing to summarize out of like my approach, like in that body success is that it's like distinguish all of those four, four things we just talked about, figure out the flavor, what is needed to engage each of those. It's going to be very different. The first one's going to be much more open, no editing, no filtering, just let it come up to try to spark that. Next one is a little bit more creative, creative possibilities. You know, you start putting things up on boards or whatever you want to do on paper. You're actually visioning. That's exciting. It's fun. Usually strategy is pretty fun because it's tied to that, that first one. And then execution is like time to get shit done, time to make things happen, time to experiment. Let's go. And that can be fun too, depending on what you're doing and if you like it. And if you can take it lightly, you know, almost always treating it as an experiment. There's different levels of that, right? Like sometimes it's like, no, we've done this a bunch of times. We know how, how to do it. It needs to happen well. So yeah, we're not going to slouch on this. Let's knock it out. But other times it's experimental. Yeah. And results are just information, essentially. <laughs> Which is largely out of our control. Yeah. They're really important, but it's like, um, and they deeply can inform reorientation through your whole process and cycling. But yeah, mainly there, it's like, what are you paying attention to? What are you tracking? Sure. Feedback loops, things like that. So if we were to even zoom in one more layer, like when you sit down to like work on a project, how do you get into sort of the creative, like say if we, you, were, you were starting a business and you're focusing on the values level yep. and yeah. and maybe we can even go through each of them it might be interesting or useful it's like how do i need to orient myself before going into this work session in order to set myself up for success that's a good uh so i mean i would say generally speaking i don't i don't and i don't recommend however again i'm always embracing like it could what I, if i say hey i don't do this and recommend it it still might be useful contextually yeah. for somebody but like, I don't say like, okay, 12 o'clock and by two o'clock, I'll throw that out the window. Now it, it may just already happen that like, Hey, I have this window. This is my window this, because there's things happening before and after it. If somebody had a big open space, like, and just like, I have every day is open for like a week, then some structure can be really helpful to program that way. So past that. So first we got to go back to that question. What is needed? Right. And to listen to that honestly and have that inform you. And you got to feel that. And if you have difficulty there, then that's where we work with embodiment. Uh, I, what I call embodiment, like how can, you know, are you opening? Can you open up? Like, in is there constrictions to bring your full self online? All of your ways that you can listen and feel and sense. Um, and especially if we're doing that. I mean, usually I think this is also going to involve relationships. If we're just trying to figure everything out on our own, that's not going to be super helpful. So it might be like, how do I bring other people into this to inform me? So now in terms of, I, for me, to be honest, like if I get really clear on what is needed or clear enough, I've developed enough fluency. This is what I will say here. I'll give you an example. So I've been really focused in endurance training. Uh, mm -hmm. over the last couple of years, I love it now. It's, it's really awesome. It scratches a good itch plus takes care of my health. But the one thing that one of these coaches of the coach community told me is like, you have different zones of pacing in, mm -hmm. in endurance training. So easy, like you could do it all day. Zone one, zone two, easy, but a little harder. And then you get in these higher zones. It's like tough, but I can do it. I can only do this for an hour. I can only do this for 30 minutes and I will pass out, or I can only do this for 30 seconds. Now, what happens is she had told me that it's like a singer developing vocal range and the ability to fluidly move through that. It's funny that the same thing applies to this, like running. Like at first you have, I mean, you have some sense from like easy to hard, but you don't have this minute fluency of like going up because there can be like, actually, we could divide this up a lot more than that. And so over time with practice, you can feel the difference. Mm -hmm. You can feel more subtly. So I would say it's the same thing here. There's going to be fluency over time, right? Where like, it may be hard to distinguish because we're so used to collapsing them, right? And But at this point, I can just, I can really pretty quickly say like, okay, I'm going to go into open-endedness. So that means I got to let go. I got to breathe. I know how to find, you know, inhabiting my body, tuning to 
spaciousness and giving myself permission to say for this time, I'm just going to let my mind rip. And that's what's needed. Whether it's needed for a project or it's needed for me, like in this moment, I need to spend 10 minutes just watering that. Um, an example. So I'll give you an example. So I'm, I, I have worked a little bit. I need to really crank out a course for integral life that I have. The first thing up is very much open-endedness. Like I have a document where I'm just throwing down ideas. Like, oh, what about this thing? What about that thing? Oh, I could do this, that. I'm not worried about, does it make sense? Is it articulated fully? What is it going to mean? I just need to download it. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's the most important thing. Then I'll start organizing it. And that's a little bit more strategic, right? I'm like saying like, okay, I could group this here into a lesson, these into a lesson, the flow could look like this. It starts shaping up. It's strategy because I haven't yet started recording it, right? When I get to recording, this is execution. Now I've done lots of recording before, so I know how that goes. I know I'm going to set up my camera, get the lights on, um, print out my notes, and I just bang it out at that point because I've done that a lot. Mm-hmm. But this is, and then the results are, I mean, once it's on the site and we start emailing people and letting people know the course is there, the results are how many people sign up. This is a really simple example here. Um, But I think usually um, the first one is giving yourself permission, especially in the context of business and where you're looking for results. You just got to let go. You got to find a way to let go. And I know that it doesn't mean shit when you say that, but like, if you have, I'm assuming you, you, I know you, and then anybody listening to this has tools of like meditation of a cleaning up that you can tap into those things to kind of unwind yourself and give yourself permission to say, this is all that matters. Like, we're not going to worry at all about results. Yeah. We're not going to worry about execution. Maybe it's not even possible. Yeah, totally. (laughs) It's, it's almost like, it's not as much like the, the strategy itself that you deploy in as much as it is like your courage to like trust yes yourself to like follow yep. what is what comes up for you and your team about what's needed exactly exactly so yeah there's the opening up there's trust there's allowing and we can work with that so like again if you just say let go or trust it's like well, what does that mean well, we can work with that. I mean, for me, especially in body embodiment practices, like the realization process can really start helping with that. Um, that will naturally just develop those things. And, and after the fact, we call it trust. <laughs> after the fact, we call it openness. Um, yeah. Um, so I think a lot of people are, can be really good at that. It's just like putting in the context of projects and things like that. And again, strategy, um, even with both those things, editing is light. That's what I would say. Editing and filtering are light. Strategy should also feel fun, mm-hmm. I think, or open. It's just more articulate. We're starting to imagine executing on something, but we're still mapping it out and it's not going to matter. Like if you're starting to say, well, that's not possible. Well, eh, it's cutting things off too quickly. Sure, sure. Um, but you're starting to see start to finish some possibility of getting rolling, whether that's even experimenting or completing. Like I just mentioned a course, which has a more final kind of thing to it. Nice and neat. Um, Yeah. And and doing it in a group setting is even more interesting because it's more challenging. You have to be skilled facilitating. Holacracy is really great for that, to be honest. Um, So Buddhist geeks, we've used holacracy and it provides some distinctions between like a governance meeting and a tactical meeting. And I was, I can no longer be a facilitator because I'm the lead link, but the facilitator, we go into tactical meeting. It's like, this thing should feel fast. It should mm-hmm. feel snappy. And the question is like, you're going to say, I have this agenda item. And I say, Samuel, okay, tell me your agenda item. And the question is, what do you need right now? It's either an action, uh, you need feedback, or you just need to share something. Like it's going to be final. Oh. Like we're not going to process forever. So that's going to be, oh shit, it's tactical, you know? Mm-hmm. But strategy should not feel that way. Strategy session should not feel that way. It should feel more open in and inviting, like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna explore this new idea here. What do you what do you got there? What do you think? Let's put it up on the whiteboard, et cetera. Yeah. And and those four areas, values, strategy, execution, and results, it's like there's almost a, a linear quality to them. And at the same time, it's like they're all sort of co-arising in, in any given moment. 
Yeah, for sure. Because we can, we can look from like macro to micro level, you know, of like moment to moment, day to day, week to week, month to month, year. We were, I think with that Buddhist geeks teacher meeting, somebody was talking about like five years. And I know Vince shared something that I felt similar. It's like, if we find it kind of useless anymore to like think five years, cause like so much happens and so much changes that it's just like, it doesn't even feel good in a fun way. It's just like, it's not a year or two, maybe something like that, you know? Um, but, uh, but yeah, all these things have micro macro cycles and again, context. All right. So a pandemic hits completely changes what's possible and may throw you into a different kind of cycle. And then now we're post pandemic kind of in quotes, but we're in high inflation and the economy is weird and that impacts things. So there's all these realities that may change some of these bits. And I did present this in a linear way simply because that's usually the easiest to understand. So like for me, if a person goes from collapsing those to having space around them, usually if you practice enough with that, then it's going to be easier to fluidly move through them. Yeah. Sometimes, especially in the spiritual domain, people want to make it like this big, too big, like too epic. <laughs> like, here we go. We're going to vision and imagine the future. And I'm going to take anything away from that because sometimes we're tapped in and something big arises. So I don't want to like shut that down or constrain that. But more than anything, just allow it to be simple. Allow whatever to arise to arise and find a way to do that in an embodied way. And yeah. sometimes amazing things will arise. Sometimes mundane things will arise, but just get fluent. This is one thing I could say, get fluent in that process for yourself and then put it to practice, you know, in particular contexts. So whether that's with art, whether that's with an easy business project, start with as much as possible with things that feel easy and fun. If you don't have the opportunity, then, well, you, you'll learn by being in the fire, which a lot of us have found ourselves in. <laughs> yeah. Well, that that feels like a great call to action there. So, th- uh, thanks for thanks for meeting with me, Ryan. Yeah, thank you for I, having me. I really appreciate you talking with me on my podcast, Maiden Voyage. So, uh, yeah, well, I'm, I'm honored to be the first person, and uh, is- love the topic. Great. Yeah, I'll talk to you soon. Take All care. Right, take care.